This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. In 500 years, an archaeologist named Michael Feinblum will make a discovery of two relics, a discarded cheeseburger wrapper and a disc with the full collection of funny people talking shows. Guess which one was traded for gum on the way to the meeting at the Museum of Fast Food? Oh, by the way, in the future, gum grows on trees. This is Funny People Talking. Hi, I'm Colin McIntosh, founder and CEO of Sheets and Giggles, and I would rather discuss Tucker Carlson tonight with my grandmother than be on Funny People Talking. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. Welcome to Funny People Talking. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Rico, and with me, in front of me, on the screen, Dresden Engel. Dresden, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. So so full disclosure, uh, Dresden sounds a little bit different than usual because we have been encountering significant technical issues, which we're just not sure what's going on. But we decided we have this incredible guest with us. The last thing we're going to do is keep him waiting. We're just going to go through. And so Dresden and I are fighting with both a microphone and an actual delay between when I say something and I see her uh, here. I'm so sorry. I dropped my computer. <laughs> oh, is that yeah. what happened? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And also joining me is Harvey now in the shot, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Okay. We will come back in one moment to who that voice is. But first, Elsie, our producer, is here with us as well. Hi, Elsie. Hey. How are you doing? All right. All righty. So also with us, the guest whose voice you heard, that is Mr. Colin McIntosh. He is the founder of a really awesome company called sheets and giggles and as you can hear (laughs) as you can hear from the pun based name this very very fast growing company that's been a lot of attention has a huge humorous undernote i don't know if that's a word there's a note (laughs) of humor in everything they do in their marketing their web presence colin himself has done a lot of stand-up continues to do stand-up when he has time also his dog that he referred to named harvey is the chief barketing officer (laughs) of the company that is a true statement i love it so anyway uh can't wait to to hear all about sheets and giggles and the incredible stuff you're doing and by the way a lot of what sheets and giggles does not just sell sheets and bedding they do a lot to help the environment and a lot of philanthropic work it is truly a company that has cause at its core. Thank you. So uh, that's a great company. I'm I'm just delighted to have you on the show, Colin. Thank you. That's a very kind kind introduction. I appreciate that. Awesome. So show's over, everybody. That's it. Thanks for joining us. Also up ahead, we have a uh, a wonderful Dresden moment. We're going to do our salute to Tina Fey as usual. Uh, And Elsie, a brand new segment with Elsie called What Would Elsie Do? I will explain. I think it'll be fun. And also, of course, our improv game. And we'll learn all about Colin and Sheets and Giggles. But first, real quick for Dresden, I just want to ask you, Dresden, to pick a number from one to ten. Six. Nope, it was seven. So moving on. <laughs> I don't even know. What <laughs> Elsie, tell me to start the show. I'll start the show.
From the Mouth Media Network studios in New York City, this is Funny People Talking with Mark Rako, Dresden Engel, and Elsie. All right, everybody, we're here with Funny People Talking and our incredible guest. I already know he's incredible, and he hasn't even done anything on the show yet, uh, so you can trust me on that. We plan to deliver Colin McIntosh is here from Sheets and Giggles. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. You're welcome, boss. Uh, and Harvey, too. We're happy to have Harvey, too. Yeah. Uh, before we get started uh, with the rest of the show, a quick bit of a very important housekeeping I want to put to bed. Ha! Ah, did you see that? I talked about a bed uh, because it's sheets, bed sheets. So um, uh, it's our salute. <laughs> that was Tina one time Faye. when the word sheets was not followed by the word giggles. But um, bum. Yeah, no, yeah. No. <laughs> I swear to you, Colin. I swear the show gets better than no, this. A rolling start. <laughs> By the way, I want I want to comment. I, I did this before we started the show, but I feel I need to share this with Elsie and Dresden too. If you look at Colin, he literally to me looks like an absolute picture perfect GI Joe. Like <laughs> oh, that, you know the beard that GI Joes have, right? God, doesn't he look? Yeah, exactly but we need like to package awesome him as Cougar Fantasy. <laughs> gi joe like uh, we don't want to waste our time with seven-year-old boys cougar fantasy yeah. no we definitely joe. don't do you think he hears me yeah. saying this i do oh, and, and it's sorry it's, i'm actually I'm, i know i'm the i'm the main model for sheets and giggles and it's, it's great because uh 70 of our customers are women and you know it, uh, we're probably the betting company with the most men in our advertisements and it's just something i figured out where you know, women like to see men with beards in bed with other dudes with beards. So, like, our most famous ad is actually me and two other bearded guides with uh, avocado face masks on, drinking red wine, talking to each other under the covers. And women, I don't know why, I can't put my finger on it, they love that ad. Uh, and then a lot of men love that ad, too, actually. Uh, and so, it's been... I just bought I, a, I just bought bed sheets in my mind right now. I did just a lot in my mind. I did a lot more <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> you, see, you know, you, you jump in the jump in the bed with us and all sorts of stuff. It's you know, it's, it's fun marketing. That's that's for sure. <laughs> my guess is in Elsie's mind, she said avocados. Ooh, guacamole. <laughs> I actually was thinking avocado toast, but yeah. Okay, there you go. I know Elsie. I know her. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, breakfast in bed. <laughs> All right, so uh, anyway, uh, quick salute to Tina Fey. Just to let you know, Colin, every episode we pray to the comedy gods that Tina Fey some way, somehow, someday will join us on this show, even a drive-by, a telegram. We don't care what it is. We would just love to have her connect. I've had about five different close calls with her, uh, possibly working. It just feels destiny, and we figure if we pray to the comedy gods and get the word out there, you never know what will happen. Someday someone will make it happen. Uh, so we're going to pray right now. You're, you, you can watch, listen, or you can join in. It's up to you. But I'll lead it off. Oh, Tina Fey, Tina. we do Tina. love thee. Please join us on this show. Tina, we love you so me. much. Tina. This is your chance. This is your chance. We, we'll find a way to introduce you to Harvey because we know Colin. We love you. We love you more than men in beards and sheets.
Amen. I like I like to point out <laughs> Colin is literally burying his head he in his is, hands with shame or embarrassment no, to be witnessing. I such mean, a thing. I I hope that she sees this one day. I feel like I, I, and I'm wondering I'm wondering what I would do if I ever saw somebody do you know like a like a tribute to Colin type of thing like that. I would I would feel like I'd have to be compelled to go on their show. I would have to. Oh, Colin, thank yeah. you for being I'm on the show. Thank you okay, for being on the show. G.I. Joe, it rhymed. Yeah, you're I just wanted to, oh, yeah, nice thanks, job. Thanks, 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 yeah. No, Colin, point taken, my friend. I love, thank you very yeah, much I love Tina Fey. I think that she is one of the most, like, gifted, I mean, and this is not, like, a controversial opinion. She was one of the most gifted, you know, comedic writers and actors of all time. I think yeah. I, was, nice. I was, eight. I think I was, like, 18 when she would do her Sarah Palin. So I'm 30. So I was I was 18 when she was doing the Sarah Palin bit, and then you know obviously with 30 Rock and you know SNL and she's just been such a comedy icon my whole life. So yeah. she cool. she and Amy Poehler both are big influences on my comedy. That Amy is Poehler awesome. Yeah. Wow. That that explains the uh, the avocado masks and the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> all right no that's awesome man that's great well thank you for appreciating it um let's uh, move on now to one of our favorite kinds of moments on the show it's a dresden moment so dresden being a publicist and she has her own uh, publicist firm dresden pr dresden uh, has had an interaction with many a celebrity over time and it's many stories they're all wonderful and now it's time for Dresden moments. And I'm just sort of curious what your Dresden moment today well, might I'm be. Well, I'm going to check with you from a tech standpoint, since I my microphone and I aren't getting along tonight. Can you hear me okay? Because I was going to do a little bit of a longer one. Yeah, perfect. G.I. Joe gave me thumbs up. Sorry, Colin. I'm reducing you. Like no, you, I am not it, valuing know, you I, as a human, and I apologize. The the good thing about men is that we can get objectified and still get paid uh, even on the dollars. So don't even worry about it. I'm totally fine. You're awesome. Just being objectified You're as, much, as much as you need. All right. it's, it's a big benefit. All right. I love it. So this is something that I did uh, in 2019. That was one of my PR shining moments of my career. And it is a celebrity moment that involves a beach boy by the name of Al Jardine. It was actually mm. Al Jardine who suggested to his high school friend, Brian Wilson, hey, you and I are playing a band. Why don't we invite your brothers and cousin to join too? So... Fast forward to where I am. I'm in Rochester, New York, and we have a Rochester Music Hall of Fame for which I do public relations. And there's been some people saying, why do you give the awards to some people who maybe only like were born here or were only here to get their master's degree at Eastman School of Music, et cetera? But Al Jardine lived here for several years of his childhood, and this is where he learned to love music. So I did something to kind of shut up naysayers. I found his childhood home and I took him with a TV crew. We did carpool karaoke with the local CBS affiliate all the way with his son singing the harmonies all the way to his childhood home. 
We went to his childhood home. He shared all his memories. He was the lead on uh, Help Me Rhonda. We sang Help Me Rhonda in his former uh, living room. He wanted to go upstairs and be in his brother's room because his brother never let him be in the room. Anyway, the point is, not only did I get to do cool things and sing harmony with El Jardine, one of the original Beach Boys, but it was like a really cool way. And he played along for me to be able to say to the naysayers, see, Rochester was instrumental in his life and scene. Yay, Trezden. And the instrumental pun. Yeah, but it was an amazing experience. That's awesome. And and he got and it snowed. It snowed on his way here through O'Hare because obviously being a beach boy, he lives in California. That's a sign. Yeah. And the only time he ever lived on the water was in Rochester. Isn't that funny? <laughs> anyway, huh, so odd. not to not to beat the beat the story any longer, but was um, he had gotten snowed in and he got stuck in O'Hare for 24 hours. So when he got here, he goes dressed in. I really don't know if I can do it. So I went and worked his son to be like, come on, you know, you want to go and kind of made sure we still did it. Anyway, Good it was job. an amazing, amazing story. And a TV crew was there. So the whole thing's documented. That's awesome. The Dresden influence. That's the charm. <laughs> the charm yeah, work. I've never met anybody named Dresden before. It's a it's a heck of a name. I had a 60s mom. I'm actually named for the China dolls. But okay. my sister's name is Verinia from the movie Spartacus. So she pulled the short straw. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it would seem that way. <laughs> and she has no personality to pull it off. But you know, here nor there. I'm not. Oh, there's no, there's no sibling rivalry there. No. I, just can't, I just can't, I just can't imagine having the rest of my life saying I'm Spartacus. Oh, <laughs> and guess what? I was going to be if I was a boy. Spartacus. Yes, but could you imagine, like, oh if I was God. a football star and the whole high school going, "Run, Spartacus!" Well, run! The, the thing, well, the, the thing about if, if your name, if your name is Spartacus, and you're in school and your teacher's doing roll call, yeah. and your teacher's like, "Spartacus, is Spartacus here? Who's Spartacus? Who's Spartacus?" <laughs> I know. Yeah. Oh, you, do your class, you have to stand up one at a time and say, I am Spartacus. I am Spartacus. You know, like, oh, God, please. Please. That's hilarious. I love that. Oh, my God. That's such a good bit. Like, if you, like, named your kid that. It's like, hey, how about <clears> when we come out with the Cougar yeah. Fantasy G.I. Joe line? We have yeah. a Spartacus line. Yeah, Spartacus you know, line. like yeah, season yeah. two for, for the yeah, Christmas. Sure. Yeah, I know some manufacturing folks. Fan freaking tastic. We are we the things wow, we God. that happen here. Just uh, just right. doing deals left and right here, right on a podcast. I love it. Power podcasting. All right, M- moving on. Let's let's go to a brand new. Thank you, Tristan. That was really awesome. Was, yeah, and, uh, thanks for indulging. And he of was. Course. Can I just say uh, he was the most amazing, most gracious, amazing man in the world. And if you ever just want to cry, Matthew Jardine, his son, has the chops that you wouldn't believe because the Wilson brothers taught him how to sing the high notes. So anyway, more Kroger fantasies for everyone. <laughs> oh I, don't know, I don't know the world needs more Kroger fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Maybe. <laughs> oh, they do. It's called the. I guess, I it's guess, called I the guess, Hallmark Christmas shows. <laughs> you know, now these. I mean, uh, maybe that's what we're selling. I don't know. It's not about. I look at the. When I think of the imagery on the sheetsgiggles.com, I can see the, like in my mind's eye, like maybe we are selling some. Um, it's like it's great because everybody says. 
Well, everybody says sex sells, but like, you know, every betting company always has like the perfect 25 year old, usually like white girl model in New York with like the exposed brick wall and the fern on the side of the bed, the French press coffee on the edge of the coffee table. <laughs> and like, and, yeah, we just, we just do things a little differently. But, so. but I know, I know. Well, look, I mean, because everybody knows French press sells. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm telling you, I have competitors. Who post pictures of like you know the breakfast in bed and then there's like a French press coffee on the edge of the comforter and it's like a white comforter and I have like a panic attack when I see just like French press coffee just on this like very you know precarious ledge of this bed and I just yeah it's I've your never new seen it's your new like line yeah. sheets and screams. Yeah, yeah, if you're, I mean, and yeah, if you're gonna spill something on your bed, then it's gonna be red wine in my book. So we actually we get a lot of comments because we do have a good cab in our photos. We always have a nice dark red, and a lot of people are like red wine with white sheets, and we're just like they wash very easily. Uh, it's, it's like a good engagement with our customers. I too, love but, it. Yeah. All right, so it's time for a. a- brand new segment that we get to enjoy uh, everything that Elsie has to offer. It's called, What Would Elsie Do? She loves bacon, she's cantankerous and her cat's in a jazz band. She's the producer, it's Elsie. And the way that this goes is I have found over time that Elsie as a producer is a really great problem solver. Like many producers, she's often a source of great advice in her own way. She means well. And much like an advice columnist, there's an opportunity to just sort of take this resource and pull from it to help solve the things in our lives. So what we will do is uh, we've been invited. I talked about Elsie, uh, this with Elsie, and she's agreed to participate uh, and try this out. Uh, Each of us probably have a number of things in our lives, the problems that we encounter, everyday problems, if you will, that it would be great to get a perspective on, whether it be etiquette, whether it be, you know, people cut in front of us in line, whatever it is. And uh, Elsie has agreed to be a resource of answers to our everyday problems. So I can kind of demonstrate how this might go and then sort of invite the other uh, participants here to to jump in if they have a question that maybe Elsie can field and see what would Elsie do. All right. So it's time for what would Elsie do? So Elsie, uh, you game? Yeah. All right. So I, I, I actually want to start out with one here, Elsie. I, uh, I have had a real problem on social media where I'll put a little – opinion out there like how i feel about something i'm not talking about a big political statement but just something like i don't know like um (laughs) geez i wish this would happen or this is how i feel today or i had the other day it happened i had a problem with a doctor and i uh i just complained on social media about it and everyone the people end up hopping on and figuring out a way that they can steer that into politics particularly in this case supporting the far right and the Trump agenda. And I'm not trying <laughs> Colin, I don't know where you I don't know where you sit, so I'm not trying to make a political I'm statement a, there. I'm, I'm, just, a, I'm a millennial who started a sustainability focused company <laughs> that donate got that, it. that plant got plants it. a tree for every order. I mean it's a hard thing to figure it's out so, where I lean to be clear. Okay, yeah. got it. Gotcha. So so but any event what I just I, I don't invite the I don't want to turn it into a, into that sort of thing. So I'm interested in 
any advice that you might be able to offer? Well, I grew up with the whole thing of anything that you put in writing could think about it. Do you want to see it on the front of a newspaper? Yeah. So like passing notes in class is your first encounter when you're a kid, you know, and then gossip or now we have social media. So if you don't want to invite people to say something, turn off your comments, you know, I mean, you can delete a comment too, but also that kind of stirs up the fire for the person that you comment because then they accuse you of filtering stuff. You can also hide comments. Yeah, you can hide, you can hide them. But I mean, if you're if you're talking about a doctor's visit and they turn it into a political, <laughs> I don't know how that. I mean, unless you're talking about you know like a proctologist, of course they're going to turn it into politics. So that's a, that's obvious. <laughs> that's a good bit. That's good. So, I can't. I, so I, you, you, you know that's going to happen. I can't. I can't hear proctologists without thinking about that. That Seinfeld episode, Ass Man yeah. on the license plate on the car. Oh my yeah. god! Oh, right, yes, yeah. uh, Dr. Cosmo Kramer, proctology. Yeah, I love that. That's right. Yeah, Mark. It's, it's, right. So, Mark, you just you just say something. You're finding that people are just turning everything into politics. Like, I feel like that's like the joke where when it was Obama, like you know, you'd like you know, you get a flat tire and you'd be like, oh, thanks, Obama. And then, yeah. I, and I feel like the Trump, right. the Trump version of that for me the last four years has been like, see, this is why Trump won. And like I've done that like a lot, like where, like, like my friend, my friend will like pour like their milk in their bowl before their cereal, and I'll be like, okay, look, this is why Trump won, like exactly, like this. And, and, do you and use? Wait a minute, Colin. Total degradation of society. Colin, do you yeah. use that in your stand-up? Uh, you know, I actually steer uh, pretty clear politics in my stand-up uh, as of right now because I just started doing it. And there's a lot of funny in the politics, but, and I'm in, I'm in Denver. So I'm in a pretty safe, like lefty bubble where it's like, <laughs> you know, I can say, I can say whatever I want and people are just going to nod along. So I'm trying to figure out, I actually like making fun of, um, it, I mean, leftists and liberals are easy, more easy to make fun of, to be completely honest. Like, like, uh, it's, it's harder to make fun of conservatives because like, where can I put this without, uh, because they get pissed off more easily. Uh, like, yeah. you, know, you can literally hear my voice where I'm like, it's, it's hard to make fun of conservatives because why? Ooh, don't say the wrong thing here. Be cool because they're fucking angry all the time. Like, and so, and you know, like, and I say that, I say that from, you know, experience with my own friends and family. And like, I'm not trying to be, you know, a jackass or anything. It's just like, I feel like my lefty friends are like a little more, you know, they take things like a little with a little more like jovialness, I guess. Like, and so I, I enjoy yeah. like, I enjoy like poking fun at like my, my positions more than other people's positions. And I think that's, that's actually something that I can talk about with more, yeah. with more sarcasm, with more authority is making fun of my own positions. Right. But if you set it up in your comedy, just the way you did with like the flat tire and the Obama and the cereal yeah. and the milk, and this is why, and you did like three funnies and then got out of it. Yeah. It's more how you have fun with a silly line versus I, political. Well, I, saw, I, I saw, there's, a, there's a great comedian. I can't, it's an Italian guy named Chris, and he cracks me up because he's got this—he's got this really good bit about how he got expelled from school on 9/11, and it's like a really funny thing. And he like does an expert job of weaving in the you know the tragedy and the in the politics here and there. 
And, you know, he's like, you know, like my dad and my dad's like, you know, I voted for Trump. And I'm like, no, you're not. No, you didn't. You're a felon. Like, you can't vote. Like, you know, like that sort of thing where it's like he's talking about, you know, he doesn't he doesn't go into the easy route of just like picking on Trump, which is like very easy. He goes into like the, you know, the the subverting where it's like, you know, you you don't think he's going to say his dad's a felon. That actually John Mulaney's bit about the horse in a hospital is the best critique. I'm taking notes. We got 9-11 guy. We got John. Christy Soprano. I mean, I listen to stand up all the time, but I didn't know this one. Have you not seen the John Mulaney horse in a hospital bit? No. I'm not familiar with that, actually. It's my favorite bit on the Trump administration the entire time he's been in office. Oh, my gosh. Because it's so, one is it's just a perfect analogy. And two is that it's four minutes of like pretty wholesome political commentary. And he kicks it off where he's like, you know, right now, it's like we have a horse in a hospital and it's like and none of us know what he's gonna do least of all the horse he's never been in a hospital (laughs) and sometimes you're just waiting to hear what the horse did next and it sometimes is not always bad sometimes it's just odd you have you have the the mulaney cadence down that was fantastic yeah Yeah. (laughs) the horse used the elevator I didn't know he yeah. could do that. Like, you know, so he's, he's got, yeah, he's got a lot of, yeah. And, and the punchline's great. And it's like a great four minute bit. So I really recommend cool. that for anyone out there listening. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. I love that. I love comedians that are able to, through that kind of simplistic analogy, I don't mean to say simplistic, no, but that easy though. to understand analogy, is they make us understand complex things. Like one thing that comes to mind is uh, Louis C.K.'s bit about um, being on an airplane and the guy using Wi-Fi in an airplane and how the magic of being on an aircraft and how we take it for granted. And it's like, and but it's it like on the internet. Like, what? yeah, exactly. I know. It's like, hey, he's like, the, the guy's not working on this metal t- Tube that's like throwing it's flying air through the air, air at 600 miles. We're tra- strapped to lawn chairs, and the guy's like impatient. He's like, They just installed it, it's going to space. Yeah, give it a second, dude. It's so, it's it's so, so true. I love comedy like that. Yeah, yeah. So, does anyone else have a question that they need advice on from Elsie? Oof, so many. So, like everybody, my phone there's only a certain amount of gigabytes. How do you decide which photos and videos to delete and which photos and videos to keep when you're cleaning out your phone? Great question. Yeah. Yeah. So if there's multiples of the same thing, I just pick the best one or two. So that's that's an easy way. And then if there are things that, you know, sometimes in the moment you're like, oh, that's cool. And then you look at it later and you're like, why did I do that? Why do I save that? <laughs> that's true. Sometimes like I take pictures of receipts because I need them later, but if it's all turned out cool and I didn't have to return something or submit it, you know, I delete it. You'll be surprised seeing how much garbage is in there that you're like, why do I still have this? So that's a great way to get rid. And then also, um, it's not just the photos, but go through all your old text messages too and get rid of that. Clear that cash. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, (laughs) Text messages that are garbage. And you know, like now stores are signing you up for everything. Hey, sale, sale. Here's a text message. Used to be that, you know, they'd call you, then it went to email. Now it's texting. I don't know what's next. I mean, it's just going to be a direct implant right holograms. here. Holograms. Yeah. They're holograms. Okay, no. Which hologram holograms. should I keep? You're going to be so in bed the sleeping and then the holograms are going to show up at the end of your bed. Sign up for our Kroger brand dreams. I, like, you know, like it's gonna... <laughs> I know. You know, I was just, I was just, par- I was just participating in a, um, like a, a, a virtual panel 
yesterday. I was watching people talk. And one of the guys who's like a really high-end expert in the music industry was talking about how it's we're very close to having on-demand holograms of singers being able to, so you could call up for grandma and have Elvis Presley singing on the dining room table as a hologram in a very realistic way. Uh, we're not that far from that. Well, you know, I mean, you um, know, it's on stage. Like it's happening. Yeah. Yes. It's on stage already. Yeah. yeah it, but yeah. it's extremely expensive. But yeah, you're right. It'll, yeah. They'll figure out a way to make it. Well, that, oh, that'll, that'll get shrunk down into, a, you know, an, an echo or, you know, like a next <laughs> Google Home. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. It'll be, it'll be your eye, eye hollow. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> and we'll all buy it. And it'll, it'll be awesome and terrifying at the same time you'll say the wrong thing and all of a sudden elvis will pop up in your living room scare the hell out of you like you know exactly (laughs) but also the um the other thing that you may not notice and i know mark you you do this all i see when you have your phone um you take pictures accidentally because you picked up the phone holding it weird yeah, so like you'll have lots of photos of nothing, literally, like of the, the ground or. I'm the glad it's nothing because I was worried you were going to say he wasn't wearing underwear, but stuff like on. that. My ex-wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, no, yeah, you gotta you gotta go go out and clear out the sexting photos every now and then. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. every, every now, now and then. then. Yeah, I... which. Which is really both in the in the photo area and the texting area. I, so I, I grew yeah. up I grew up with um with cell phones when I was I got my first cell phone when I was fourteen, and uh, fourteen to eighteen year olds do a lot of dumb shit with everything in their life, including cell phones. And so I think that by the time I was eighteen, I had already disqualified myself from uh, any future public service. Uh, oh. <laughs> and. Uh, and, and you know, and it's funny. I think I think at some point in the 2010s, I was like, because you know, I mean, you have girlfriends and you and everybody sends pictures of themselves to the girl. But I think it's pretty common at this point. Anyway, I think that at the 2010s, I was like, this is great. I was like, the, you know, Trump won the presidency. You know, saying awful things and being awful and being, you know, out three ex-wives and paying off porn stars with hush money and and these other people, politicians like a lot of skeletons in the closet. And I, I think the internet culture has become more, you know, okay with people like not being perfect, perfect individuals. Maybe I will run for office one day. Maybe I will do something that that'll be interesting and fun, and and I can help change the world, do something positive. And then Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez won, and they smeared her for like a week on Fox News for dancing on the rooftop of her high school as an 18-year-old and like some choreography thing. Look at how much fun she was having as an 18-year-old. And I was like, oh, I guess it just depends on who the person is. And I was like, yeah, maybe I'm not safe. I don't know. Maybe I am. But I just – I can't stand the, the yeah. double standard. But yeah, so I was – By the time yeah. you run for office, Colin – the change in our culture about what's acceptable right. and what's not will yeah. be so much more forgiving. That's what I'm yeah. thinking. That you, yeah. That's what I was thinking. So, and then, and, like, then, and, then I, and then I, and then I, they saw her name trending. I said, Oh, what's the controversy? Oh, she was dancing. Like, and that, like, you know, and that was like the controversy. Like, so right. I, it, I, someday it's going to be like, you threw a cow out of a plane. Yeah, exactly. It's like today. It's not so cool. And like 30 years from now, people are going to be like, Psh, that's nothing. Uh, yeah, at some point people will be like, "Is that is that you shirtless in this photo?" I'm going to be like, "Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, it is." And don't I look like GI Joe? Exactly. And that's, and I'm just, I'm just gonna have have to you seen sure my Cougar Dreams in Spartacus line? 
yeah exactly oh. yeah my future product so right. i have a quick quick uh question for elsie because uh colin mentioned being 14 i happen to be what only older people know what this means the kool-aid house i'm the house the kids come to so i have packs of 14 year olds at my house including boys which means they eat a lot and yet i feed them every night 35 dollars sheet pizzas etc cetera, etc cetera. what do you <laughs> What do you, wow. what should I do about that? Like, do these parents not wonder if their children are eating that night? I think people are going to do whatever is uh, convenient. I used to live in a court and I don't have kids and everyone else in the court had kids. So like at the beginning of the court was a kid and they'd go next door to the other kid's house and they'd say, go play in the next door neighbor's lawn. And then those three kids would go and they'd say, go play in that neighbor's lawn. And Eventually, they went through the U of the court, and everyone I'd, I'd be like, "What? What are all these kids in my lawn and dogs and barking and stuff?" And it's just like the parents kept sending them, all right, and sending them. There there you go. Like, I, all of a sudden, I have eight kids and two dogs, and you're and buying like, sheet no. pizzas to get rid of so, them. <laughs> so I go out there, and I'm like, "What are y'all doing?" And they told me, "Well, Betsy's mom told us to go to Susie's house, and Susie's house." said go to brian's and then everyone said go to elsie's yard she don't have any kids i'm like oh wait. that was a choice so um i think if you don't mind it and you keep going but otherwise uh supply and demand if you don't have the supply they won't be there all right <laughs> i choke the supply yeah that's right you 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 can also invoice the parents I want to because when i drop them off you let could. me tell you these biatches are living in mcmansions a lot more than my colonial we'll leave it at that yeah. Venmo you're, me you're, if you're, you're within your Venmo me, biatches. Your your accent got so heavy on that. It was great. Elsie, <laughs> Elsie, you're fantastic. a fount of knowledge, darling. Thank you. You are. What we should all do as Elsie does. <laughs> so uh, anyway, thank you, Elsie, for what would Elsie do? We're gonna take a quick break, everybody, and we'll be right back with our improv game. It's the kind of itch that you just can't scratch. But there's always room for a good ointment. This is Funny People Talking. Yeah, with with Venmo now, you could invoice the other parents. I am by so the tempted. Way. I know. We'll just Be show up. Easy. I did do. You could also tell the parents that being a Kool Aid house. I just want just tell them. Just, I just want you to think Jim Jones. That's all I just want to say. Just if I'm a Kool Aid house, just mm-hmm. Jim Jones. Yeah, because be, because the younger generation today will say, "Oh, we drank the Kool Aid." They don't know that that's a really bad thing. That's not like meaning you're on <laughs> board. Know. That means you went yeah. too far up the person's butt. No, no, that's right. I, I think people know that it means that like if you drank the Kool Aid, it means that you bought into something like. That was, a, that was a, yeah exactly you bought you bought into the wrong thing you know you got tricked you no I, no but i people i guarantee you a 19 year old yeah, they're thinking it means really? you bought in good like i'm on board man i drank the kool-aid i'm there yeah oh well i mean they don't know pe- what the people reference do, people is people do say that it's ironically, right like where it's like you know like i like you know i tell my team I'm like i like are you guys in and if they say like yeah we look we've drank the kool-aid like it means you know they're saying like it's positive th- yeah. it's not necessarily positive it's more like look we're pot committed like it's, okay okay we're in. you know what i mean like, well, so it's like, like a pot, um, yeah it's a pot committed thing i think but yeah, remember I think when understand. being a diva was a bad thing and then it became a good thing 
That's right. I, that is nobody better call me a diva. That's still a bad thing. But <laughs> divas always was always bad. Now, like she's such a diva, and they're like, "Ooh, I wish I could be a diva." <laughs> That's right. Exactly. So it's got that thing where it flipped. Also, it's probably VH one's born the diva. Turn that around, Colin. You keep bringing up these references. Are you like? 47 and you just look really good for your age like he's quoting seinfeld he knew like old references i was making this is awesome well my so my my uh girlfriend's actually so i'm I'm 30 she's 26 and she's never seen much of seinfeld and so we just started watching it from not the beginning but like probably from season three or four and she's dying and so i've got all these i've i've watched it thousand times when I was a kid. The the biggest comedy influences on me when I was a kid were uh Seinfeld, SpongeBob, and then the Dan Levitard show on ESPN radio. And those are like my three biggest comedy influences. Wow. And there's a few others. That's a nice range. There. Yeah, big well big range, right? Because like you have like the Seinfeld, like dry, kind of like satirical humor. And then you have like the the every you know the everyday stuff. And then SpongeBob is like there, there were a lot of like little bits and jokes and SpongeBob. There were like little like twenty second bits, thirty second bits that like kept growing every episode, which I loved. And I still rewatch it as an adult, and it's great. And then you know Dan Levitard's show is ESPN's number one podcast, but they don't talk about sports at all, barely at all. It's kind of like the Seinfeld of sports radio, where they'll talk about movies and they'll talk about pop culture and and you know race relations and other things and they try to turn sports from a cathedral into more of a circus and which is the way sports should be sports fun you know sport yeah and and espn hates it because their whole brand is built on like top 10 and like the espies and like this very and so but the thing is they're the most popular radio show on espn so they have to get dealt with. So it's actually kind of interesting dynamic with them, but I've been listening to them since I was 14 years old. I have learned more on this podcast today. I mean, this is been awesome. Exactly. <laughs> the more, you know, okay, exactly. Rainbow. Uh, all right, everybody. It is time for our improv game. And now an improvisational comedy game. So, uh, Colin, uh, I'm going to give you a uh, choice here okay. of what improv game we're going to play. Right. I'm going to just tell you the names. This isn't to, like, trap you, but you don't know what these games are. I'm going to tell you the names, and you can choose which one you want to play without knowing anything about them. Okay. The first the first one is Mish Mosh Mix. And the second one is called If I Were in Charge of the World. So you can choose which of those two you want to play. And we will play that one. Well, I, sometimes I wish I was in charge of the world. So I'll I'll take that second one. Okay, awesome. So the way we play this game is you're given an everyday problem, a little bit like we did with uh, if uh, see, yeah. what would Elsie do, but 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 maybe more extreme than that. For example, it might be like I don't like that my gum doesn't last long; it always eventually disintegrates or i hate when i'm walking in new york city and uh tourists don't know to stay to the left then everyone else can walk on the right or whatever it is right uh people not wearing masks on the subway or whatever is important in your world so you come up with an everyday uh problem that's given to you to solve and if you had unlimited power unlimited wealth you could channel any resource in the world and have the freedom without concern for legalities 
what would you do to solve that situation in the most creative way possible? And here's the catch, Colin. When you start out saying what you're going to solve, you have to actually announce it in this manner. It's a rule of the game. And that is to say, if I was in charge of the world, I would solve the problem of XXX this way. Okay. Whatever the problem is. So that's the key is to announce as if you are standing atop a mountain to your entire kingdom of the world. Okay. All right. Sure. You got yeah, for that? All right. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, I, I'll tell you what, um, uh, let's have Elsie go first. And uh, uh, Dresden, why don't you give Elsie an everyday problem that she could solve that just bugs the crap out of you? It could be anything. Elsie, the thing I would like you to solve is people all trying to do stupid TikTok dances and make TikToks doing the same dance as everybody else. To solve TikTok. Which is all it. If I were in charge of the world, <laughs> I would hire a developer to create a product that let me jam the signals of TikTok. <laughs> and it would monitor if there was any, it would be, it would have a, a motion detector. And if signature dances were being performed on the TikTok, it would jam the signals. <laughs> And if the offense, if the offense were made from the same account three times, three strikes, you're out, you're shut down. And it would also have a mechanism built in, which would tr uh, detect if you were trying to, you know, be fraudulent by, uh, you know, using a different email or a different IP address. It would have um, like uh, cornea recognition. So it could see the person who's doing the dancing and the logging in. They, Does Elsie work in cybersecurity by day? She should. She should. Wow. So, um, and so if they if they tried to do that, this the second offense after being shut down and trying to you know regain it w with fraud is um, there's a mechanism in the phone that um, shoots lasers <laughs> through your phone and blinds you. And when would you do? How would you do that, there, Elsie? The mechanism is it reads your no, cornea. I, no, I heard that. So, so, so the mechanism's built in by the developer that the lasers shoot through your phone and blind you. And, and so that way they can't see to log on and they can't do the dances and they don't know if the phone beautiful. is pointed properly. Elsie, can you live moves. with me for a little while? Because then the pizzas will get paid for by Venmo. I won't have to watch exactly. the TikTok <laughs> dances. She solves. Can I just rent you everything. for a week to just hang out with the teenagers? Well, that's only if I had a lot of money. I, I can't do this in real life. But if, but if I were in charge. <laughs> Beautiful. Very done. Nicely done, Elsie. A little scary, but brilliant. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll go next. Colin, you want to give me an everyday problem? Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you an everyday problem. Um, bugs the crap out of you? Something that bugs the crap out of me. I can't stand it when... I'm gonna give you like a real, real first world problem here, like something just a, when you get so, objectified I, by a cougar. I, when, <laughs> I, I, that, that's that's they fine. pour the wine too high in my glass. That's fine. Oh, I, I, was, I was gonna say I was gonna actually something similar to that, Mark. I was gonna say I can't stand yeah. it when I go to a restaurant and uh, it's a breakfast restaurant specifically, and I order the pancakes and they bring me butter to put on the pancakes, uh -huh. and the butter is 
ice cold. <gasps> I'm talking rock solid, ice cold butter. And you take it, you take, try to get the knife and you cut, you cut it and you try to spread it on the pancakes and it just rips the pancake up and there's no spread of the butter whatsoever. And, you know, you just kind of have to sit there until either the butter warms up enough to yep. spread or, and then the pancake cools down while you do that. And, you know, or you got to eat your hot pancakes without butter. Wow. All right. Thank Driving you. Crazy. So if I were in charge of the world, I would solve the problem of ice cold butter on pancakes, which is a plague <laughs> upon most of our world. Plague upon By, your diner. With a, I would provide a through a significant expense and design a beautifully, a sustainably made combination heater and ejector uh, that every citizen would be armed with. And when they encounter this problem, what would happen is they would be able to pull it out of their purse or wallet or briefcase or whatever. It'd be very small and nimble. And they would take the ice cold butter pad, insert it into a special slot, a slot. press the button. <laughs> it would, it would instantly superheat the butter and then when you press the release mechanism and aim it properly, it would shoot this molten butter towards whatever server put it on your plate, okay, uh, as, an, as an objection. And there actually is an upgraded model. It's the Butter Shooter 2.0 that I would design that would have a special laser sight. Here we go with lasers again. That would actually, instead of aiming it at the server, it would be aimed at the refrigerator where the butter is stored to instantly superheat it and melt all of it so it can't affect anybody else. Good. So that's what I would do if I were in charge of the world. <laughs> was it ever aimed, but was it ever aimed at the you. pancakes? No, he, he went straight No, I want to eat the but pancakes. But you're just torturing so, so everyone out. No, I figure I'm going to change behavior changing by, me. you know. Deterrent. Discipline. It's, 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 it's like it's like why do they? It's a why, do yes. they get, why do they give speeding okay. tickets? Okay, I thought deterrent. we just wanted exactly. to eat some damn pancakes. Yeah. I, I didn't know we were trying to change behavior. Like he's going, I, he's going I, after he, he instead of treating the symptom, he's going after the root cause, which is the restaurant itself. I love it. I think after we make contact with like seven or eight servers around the country, the behavior will change quickly. I'm telling you, when you when so, you when you get those pancakes and you and you grab the butter and it's cold to the touch, uh, don't you just go? You just you just like you know. It's not fair. No, you just know it's not going to spread. I like I like contrast. Like like salty with sweet together is nice. Ice cold butter with hot pancakes. I don't Disaster. like it. So very very nice. Okay, so uh, Colin, if you're up for it, why don't you go next? And uh, Elsie, I'd love you to give Colin a problem. I can't stand it when you're on the uh, escalator and people are not paying attention and it's crammed oh with people and you get and you get to the end of it and <laughs> and you, you and it's like human body collision oh. time or, or yeah when they step off and just stop okay either way so if I were in charge of the world <laughs> I would make it mandatory that every escalator i actually thought about this problem before this problem drives me absolutely crazy you stay you know you have a long flight you come home from dia like you're you know you're you're waiting to get to the baggage claim and everybody and not only are people standing on the left but they're standing on the right and you have now two people per escalator step 
And it's like, I, I grew up in a world where it was stand right, walk left. And I don't know what happened to that rule, but it is completely gone by the wayside. And it is the most inefficient thing. And they don't do it in other countries. They do it in other countries. They still abide by that rule. The United States is complete. So every escalator needs to be retrofitted if it exists. And every new escalator they build needs to have this as well. A pressure sensor gauge on the <laughs> left side of the elevator stair where if you stand on that for longer than three seconds without moving to the next step and the weight sensor would know if you were there for longer than three seconds without a weight change, it actually opens up and you drop down into a cavern below the escalator with you and every other person that has committed that sin and then eventually they would be wiped out from this society and we would have no more people that don't follow the rules that we put in place as a society and that's what i would do if i were in charge of the world for a day or a long time so you've stood you've stood behind these people and you've evil-eyed them fuming fuming and in your mind you have opened the floor below them I would just collapse the escalator if it was if it was feasible. Like I like wow. I, it drives it drives me when I'm in the and the worst is when you're in a rush. When you're in a rush and you need to like go and then you just can't because you can't. It's it's enough to ask one and it's normal when the escalators when the escalators packed and you have two per stair. You see it and you're just like ah, there's nothing I can do. But there's something special about when most people are on the right side. And it's like two or three people perfectly staggered on the left side, blocking any progress where you're not going to have to ask one person to move, but three people to move on the way up. And you and you calculate to yourself in your head and you go, you know what? It's just not worth it. And they have the right side of it open that they can just step to, but they insist on standing on the left. And am I the only? Sorry. Or when you um, when you ask them, when you say "excuse me," and they look at they you, look and you, then like they, you have like, two, and heads. then they stand they look, more firm. They look, at, they look at you like you're the asshole, and and right. it's like no, your your change is to stand here instead of standing here. <laughs> My change is to go somewhere slower or miss the train or miss the thing that I'm trying to get to. And then, of course, people like that, they'll always say, well, if you're running late, you just, just leave earlier. I was like, oh, just leave earlier. Okay, I'll just, I'll just do that. I love, I love your word choice. Like, There's something special about. Something special. There's something, <laughs> <that's> right. <laughs> something, There's something that really gets me about the, about the rogue person on the left side <laughs> when most people are abiding by the rule. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Dresden, one more here. Dresden, your problem is oh my god, how much time we got? No, I'm kidding. Your problem <laughs> Dresden's actually awesome. Uh Dresden, the problem I would like to suggest to you is people who it really actually drives me crazy when I see someone that's maybe 10 or 12 feet or yards from a trash can. And then discards waste like a like a, a soda can on the ground when who does there's that? Literally one and I. It's seriously, it's like it's one thing if there's nothing around, there's nothing in sight, and you're like, I'm just a jerk. I'm gonna, I can't carry it with me. It's too much work to carry this another twelve feet and put it in there. I don't care about anyone. So I would love to know how you would solve this problem once and for all and make us all much happier. If I were king, queen, goddess of the world, I would 
one, practically, uh, in a, from a practical sense, I would make sure that every city and town has a bottle bill. Because in New York, we have them, and there are people who take the bottles and they cash them in, and therefore there's no litter. I'm in Toronto, and I see garbage pails overflowing with soda cans and water bottles. So that's one way to solve it. But that's not funny. So let me try to be funny. So if someone goes to throw something <laughs> on the ground, it not only will bounce back and hit them because I'll put a sheen uh, all over the sidewalk that will force litter to bounce. It will stick to them in the most embarrassing ways. So if they're eating a fudgicle, and the fudgicle goes on the ground. A fudgicle. A fudgicle. The fudgicle wrapper will go right on their backside. So then that person will be, ha, 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 you pooped your pants forever. Like there will be, there'll be non-discriminating ways that that trash that hits the ground will attach itself to you. You throw a milk carton on the ground. Now it looks like you're lactating out of your boobs. Right? So... <laughs> It will be, it'll take, you know, it's a lot of science, but I got a plan. <laughs> if I were king of the world. Yay, Dresden. Thank you very much. All right. We are, that was great, everybody. Thank you for participating with Gusto. Gusto. And uh, nice, nice, Gusto. nice, nice. <laughs> Gusto. <laughs> so thank you, Colin, for the proper choice of improv game. We shall return forthwith right after this. <laughs> Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Funny People Talking and Elsie at Elsie the Producer. And please, for the love of all that is holy, subscribe to the show and leave us a damn review and a really, really good rating on iTunes. Pretty please? Thank you. Welcome back, everybody. And of course, we are here with Colin, Colin. the uh, Colin McIntosh, the the founder of Sheets and Giggles, the greatest name ever in the history. True. Of Thank you. True facts. All right. So let, let's start out here. We'll, we'll unpack in a minute what the company is and the things you do, because I think it really must be talked about in all seriousness. But I, I'd like to ask you this. What I mean, other than the fact that you have a comic bone in you already but what made you decide that this company needed to have a a humorous tone to it in its messaging and its name what was that a, a a very very rational decision said here's an interesting marketing ploy yeah. to set it up in this way or was it organic or what? It, so it was it was two things. It, it it partially stemmed from the fact that I uh, my prior company was a very serious company. It was we were, we had a wearable technology that we developed that would help help to fight sexual assault and violence. And so we were oh wow, you know, it was really cool. And and we had shipped sixty thousand units, and you know we were in Target, Brookstone, and a bunch of other places. And unfortunately, it just didn't work out uh, for a number of different reasons. And I got laid off, and along with all my friends, at one p.m. on a Monday. It was about three years ago. And that company never, it's, it's ironic looking back in hindsight, they never let me touch the copy. They never let me write copy. They never let me do it because there was somebody on the team who, you know, was in charge of the copy and, and they were always like, 
oh, Colin, like, it's a serious thing. Like, you can't write serious copy. First of all, it's fucking simple to write serious copy. Like, like, but like, second off, like, they were just very protective of their own job and didn't want anybody else to do it. So I was itching to like, I love copywriting. I, I, you know, used to be an SAT tutor. I took Shakespeare 311 when I was a freshman. Like, I love writing. I love writing essays and I love writing long form copy. And, um, you know, so I was just itching to do more writing. And then, and then I really want to do something funny and something that really, because that's when I really shine. Like, I can't like, I can't really shine when I'm not writing funny copy. I can write good, good persuasive writing, but nothing, but that's the thing. And the second thing is when I looked at this betting space, I basically was just bored to tears with the other people that were in the space. So Mm. like I said earlier, I kind of alluded to it earlier. Every other company in the space has the same thing. It's, you know, the white 23-year-old model in bed with exposed brick in New York City, (laughs) like in a studio apartment that is way above whatever amount of disposable income that person actually would have with like a fern on the side of the bed. A pug? We need a pug? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, it's you know, it's always like perfectly manicured makeup, like in bed, which is not how women go to bed, like, you know, with their makeup on and like... It, it just, it was so boring to me to like look at that. And it's always the white sheets on the white walls and like the coffee and the bed and breakfast and the plants. And I just like, it just drove me crazy because it felt like all these brands were trying to be aspirational to young women in like a very condescending way. And in a lot of ways where it's like, look at how you want your life to be. Like, don't you want to live in a big city with these things like, and be a character on friends and like, you and it, this I don't know that type of aspirational brand imagery always made me very bored and it made me very like frustrated because it just felt so trite and and like the same as everything else. So one of the things I said was when I started the company is we will never do just pictures of sheets on a white space on the background. So like when you go on our website, we have our colors are beautiful colors, very bold colors, red and blue and green and purple, and I love how bold our colors are. But, you know, we advertise them with people in bed and people in bed with animals and with food and making faces that people would make in bed, not like weird smiles off into the distance, but like actual, you know, like hanging out with their dog or hanging out with their friends. And I always just wanted to do something different, something that was very visually striking, like a lightning rod. And um, I think we've done that. And, And that's been really fun for me to like put that. And I and I and I funnel everything strategically through like what it will do to our marketing, our click-through, our conversion. And and that was definitely something that I really wanted to test to see, will people respond to like a funny betting brand in a very traditionally serious space, like a very boring space. And people have very, very strongly. And I like that because it means there's a lot of people out there that like speak the same language that I do. Awesome. Amazing. Can we talk a little bit more about what your company is? And one of the things that I I would love for you to make sure you spend time on, which I assume you will anyway, is you don't just sell stuff. You're doing stuff with your company. Can you fill us in on, on, first of all, what you offer, what the product actually is and why it's special? And then uh, what you do with a pretty good amount of your of your revenue? Yeah. So we so we first and foremost, we sell eucalyptus lyosol bed sheets. So our sheets are made out of eucalyptus trees. They're not made from cotton or, or polyester. And they use way less water and energy than cotton. No insecticides or no pesticides. Cotton by itself 
uses an estimated 16 to 24% of the world's insecticides by itself as a crop. And then obviously with the polyester, microfiber, you're talking about a petroleum-based synthetic, number one source of microplastics in our water. So stop buying polyester, stop buying, uh, you know, you can do recycled poly, but, but still normal poly by itself is no good. And so our sheets are sustainable. They're actually naturally softer than cotton. The eucalyptus lyocell cell has a lower coefficient of friction. So for people with skin conditions, or people with fibromyalgia or contact dermatitis or neuropathy who tell us are the only things they can sleep on at night, which I have a herniated C4, C5 that can seem to be moving around a little bit uh, that causes right arm numbness and weakness. And, you know, I, I wake up in the middle of the night and with, you know, and my REM cycles get interrupted. And so for me, to have people tell me that our sheets are the only thing they can sleep through the night on, you know, they're starting to hit those REM cycles at four hours, six hours, and seven and a half hours, and then their body gets to heal and grow. And that's a really important thing for me to hear, just me personally. And the sheets are also more moisture wicking and more breathable. So if you're a night sweater, um, they're an absolute dream. So they keep you dry and temperature regulated throughout the night. Which is something you should definitely cater to the cougar audience. Going yeah, through menopause. Yeah. I, I'm serious. We, but as you were. We, we, yeah. <laughs> we, no, we, 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 rank, we rank pretty highly for yeah. uh, sheets for, sheets for menopause, yeah. best sheets for hot flashes. Amazing. Yeah, I, and I don't know if you guys have neck pain, but I get really hot too at night. Like I radiate, I radiate heat from my neck. And so it's great for me too. And then in terms of our philanthropy, you know, I, I was inspired when I was a kid. I was like 22 or 21. And I went to this company in uh, Wisconsin, it's called Epic, and they've gotten in some hot water recently in the news for how they've done their, their own COVID remote work, which is, there's no easy answers to any of this stuff. Their policy was, and their motto was, do good, have fun, make money. And I really like that. I really like the, you know, the three, do good, have fun, make money, kind of in that order. And so for us, we don't, we don't follow that exactly, but it's kind of my guiding thing in life where I think like, I think that all these things are achievable and none are mutually exclusive. And so we have a lot of fun with the company, but at the same time, we do a lot of good and we've been successful too. So we, you know, we make a little bit of money, but what we were able to do this year is two core things. We actually donated $40,000 to COVID-19 relief in the state of Colorado, which was no small thing, you know, 40 grand is a lot of money for a small business. And it was 20% of our sales for about a month period. We made that pledge early on in the pandemic uh, when we didn't know how long this was going to go on for. We just knew that there were going to be a lot of people suffering from this, losing family members, losing lives, losing businesses. And so that was really wonderful. That was through the Colorado COVID-19 Relief Fund. And then we also got a phone call from the Downtown Denver Partnership in March. And they said the city of Denver is asking around for twin and twin XL bed sheets for these respite motels that they were building at homeless shelters to isolate symptomatic individuals from the general population. And so they asked us, do you have, you know, Sheets and Giggles keeps coming up. We keep hearing your name. Like, do you have bed sheets on hand? And so we donated every twin and twin XL sheet set that we had on hand to Denver area homeless shelters, hundreds of them, to isolate these symptomatic individuals from the general population, hopefully slow the spread in Denver. And I think it's been very successful. I think they had a high of 300 people sleeping in those respite motels at one point this summer. Um, and, you know, those are all symptomatic individuals that, that needed places to sleep that were isolated. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been a really great year for us uh, philanthropy wise. We've also planted uh, tens of thousands of trees. We plant a tree for every single order that we receive. And, and that's, no, in any normal year, that would be like a big thing that we would tout. 
but now this year it seems like like you know, I mean with the wildfires raging and everything like reforestation is so important but there's so much other stuff going on that it's almost like an afterthought like yeah we plant a tree for every order how many oh tens of thousands oh shit like oh shit and so we <laughs> so we do a lot of stuff and I'm very proud of the company that we built we we also pledge one percent of our equity time products and profit to uh, local Colorado charities. And that's been really great for us as a pledge 1% company. And what else do we do? We did a couple other things here and there, a couple of donations. Oh, we, we, last year on Black Friday, we donated 20% of our sales to the World Wildlife Foundation for to, to rescue koalas. Yeah. That was great. Big, big opportunity for us to give back to, you know, we don't harvest any eucalyptus trees from natural forests or from Australia, but, you know, we still want to help out where we can. And then um, this year, we're actually doing something really cool on Black Friday where you get 15% off, but also at checkout, you can select a charity that you contribute 15% of your order to that charity. So it's like a 15 and 15 thing. And mm-hmm. it's really cool. And then we'll hopefully donate a ton of money. So. Wow. That is, that is, Cheers. I, I think Cheers. that all deserves Bravo. an really absolute Thanks. round of applause. Thank you. You were really, Colin, really so hard admirable. to do that. So we admire, yeah, we well, admire my you. My whole team does. My, my whole team, they're, you know, tomorrow is our biggest sale of the year um, ahead of Black Friday. And, um, you know, everybody's working the Midnight Oil right now. And, and I'm really proud of my team. There, it's just, you know, you people hire people like themselves. And so I've hired people that are like, you know, fast talking, hardworking, like, pretty funny people beards. and uh yeah no i, I actually cool. any, one other guy on the team has a beard mike has a mustache uh <laughs> carl is clean shaven and jake is clean shaven and the rest are women so emily melissa and sarah also don't have don't have beards so yeah no. good call good call yeah. good well well done saying that that says good good covering your, your mother yeah. uh <laughs> I have one remaining question. I probably have a thousand questions, Colin, but just in the interest of respecting uh, Midnight Oil here, <laughs> let's shift gears from your business to you as an actual comedian outside of your business. I guess you are, in a way, a comedian in your business. Mostly, and it's part yeah, of what you do. Yeah. But as a comedian outside of your business, what drives the material that you end mm. up actually writing? Where, where does it get sourced from? Because, you know, there's some people that are observational humorists like Seinfeld, there's people that talk about their own, you know, their own particular uh, uh, life. And there, there's other people that just like to say goofy stuff. There's people who like to talk to the audience. Where does your humor source from? And, and how does that connect to the rest of your world? So I'm, I'm also a big observationalist that, you know, I when I am with my friends, I'll say things like just extemporaneously, right? Just having a good time. And I'll just tend to bust up a room occasionally, you know, like I'll get a big, big rise out of everybody. And when I do that, I tend, I'll write it down and I'll see if I can workshop it into something that's like a bit. And so I really, I really like observational humor. Seinfeld's always been the golden standard of that for me. Mm -hmm. And then I like things that build on themselves too. I like things that you know, go from take you start you at A, and then by the time you're at E, you don't even realize that you're still talking about A. And Dave Chappelle is actually really, really big influence with that. I've never, I don't know anybody else who can start a story in one location and then end it in such a different location while t- still telling the same story. And I really, really like that. So those are those are kind of how I approach it. And it's also a little bit of Bill Burr. Things that frustrate me. 
uh things yeah things, things <laughs> i think are things i think are stupid things i think are you know that that are just drive me crazy so well it kind of comes back to the seinfeld what's the deal what's with the deal? Blah, blah. yeah yeah exactly with airplanes yeah yeah i'm gonna go down to her, exactly. her job and heckle her <laughs> yeah <laughs> have you had to deal with hecklers when you're doing stand-up? not really no not really i've had some people who have like said like that made me a little uncomfortable but hey gi joe get off the stage i mean you know the, the, yeah it's, but like it, it's only because like uh sorry it depends on it depends on i've never gotten heckled like uh like badly or anything i usually do i think i i'm probably the only first time comedian who ever got on stage and after i got off stage like went to my girlfriend and i was like i thought that went really well like i'm probably like the only you know <laughs> like i just i'm like a confident person when i tell tell a story or when i tell a joke and and so i got off stage and i was like i think i nailed it I also love pitching. Like I, I, I won a pitch contest in Denver this week. I, you know, I won first place at Denver startup week, 2018, uh, when I was just starting out. Like I love pitching. You put me in front of a crowd with a microphone and a captive audience. And I, I really light up. And so that's always been a special talent of mine. And standup comedy is just pitching. All you're doing is pitching. You're pitching jokes, you know? That's a great way to look at it. I love that. You're selling. You're selling. You're selling. You're selling, you're selling, the, you're selling the comedy, right? Like you're, you're, people bought, you know, the ticket to laugh yeah. and you, yeah. and you have to deliver, yeah. right? And, and like at Sheets and Giggles, like I, I've gotten bigger laughs pitching Sheets and Giggles than any stand up comedy that I've done. Like I, when I'm on stage and I say, you know, I, I say, I have a slide and it's three of my main competitors. And I say, these are three of my main competitors, but I would forgive you if you thought they were the same company. I mean, the white sheets, the white walls, the French press coffee placed ever so precariously on the white comforter. And I'm like, you know, this is what they do this because they think that this is what appeals to young women. And the thing about young women is they make up 70% of our customer base. So we actually appeal to them too, just a little differently. And then you click the next slide yeah. and the punchline is the next slide is the three men in the bed picture with the face. And like, I mean, the crowd, the first time I ever did that pitch, it was like in front of a thousand people and they just lost their minds whistling and it was great. And like that type of energy is what I really, really, really feed off. So Colin, uh, a very natural question at this point is how in the world do people find Sheets and Giggles and get to look at all this stuff and get connected with what you're doing? They, Support these great causes. They can Google Sheets and Giggles or they can go to SheetsGiggles.com, which is just you know, brand name, but no and in the URL. So sheetsgiggles.com. And then we are also at Sheets Giggles everywhere. And on we're on Amazon as well. So you can go to amazon.com slash sheets, actually. So amazon.com slash sheets. That is our wow. Amazon URL. That's, that's pretty good. I know. That yeah. is pr- yeah, that's pretty that. hot. Yeah. That's pretty and, hot. Uh, and then, um, yeah, other than that, I'm pretty easy to find LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, usual stuff. Colin McIntosh, Sheets and Giggles. All right. Well, Colin McIntosh, Woo! I genuinely, truly I'm wish we had like fan. a solid Thank 48 you. more minutes that we could do this because yeah. it was uh, just a lot of fun. Thanks, and guys. so nice to see you again. That is it for this episode of Funny People Talking. I'm very sad to say, <laughs> but we covered a lot of ground. I think we got a lot of great advice. We had a little celebrity moment. We talked comedy. We figured out what we would do if we were in charge of the world. And then we talked about bed sheets and giving. And I love all of and that. Co- so, and cougar and fantasies. 
Redman, well, so. I think that goes without saying, sir. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, thank you. Thank you again, Colin. It was really great. And thank everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. We will see you next week, I promise, for another wonderful, wonderful episode of Funny People Talking. Boy, I, that's a bar I just set. <laughs> we better deliver. Uh, until then, <laughs> for our producer, Elsie. Thanks. And our co-host, Dresden. I am Spartacus. <laughs> yes, you are. I'm Mark Rako. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you next time. And by the way, please stay funny. That's it? That's the end of the show? Boy, oh boy, what a crock. This was Funny People Talking. No portion of the content may be reproduced or published without the strict written permission of the producers. Connect with our show at Funny People Talking or at our website, funnypeopletalking.com. I'm your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.